podcast where we mainly talk about movies i'm dj and as always i'm joined by my co-host aaron how's it going man what's up dude um it is a weird time for movies uh Uh, yeah (laughs) and humanity (laughs) very true i don't think we want to focus on that too much because it's literally a part of every single piece of any content that you consume true but it has affected our movie going habits it's actually affected me a little bit positively because i have managed to see more movies than i think i would have seen in theaters okay well got to worked out for you then <laughs> yeah there's all this weird uh straight to like video on demand stuff going on with the movies that were in theaters so we've got several of those to talk about um but i don't think we're going to be going to theaters anytime soon dj No, no, we are not. And just to, I guess, give a point in time, just because we don't know when people are going to listen to this episode, but we are right in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, so literally all theaters are closed right now. So Aaron and I, we're going to do a little catch up on some movies that were like recently released in theaters at like the beginning of March. And then, uh, yeah, we'll just see where we're going to go from there. But uh, yeah, it's a strange time, but we hope everyone is being safe. Uh, doing social distancing and stuff, and hopefully uh, us talking about movies, I don't know, helps the time pass at least a little bit faster. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Okay, so we've got at least two movies that we've both seen. Uh, There's a couple that I went a little out of my way to watch that maybe I shouldn't have. Uh, (laughs) And then we're going to talk about some, some movies that we just like uh yeah so let's let's start with (laughs) the first one which i managed to convince you to watch which is the new vin diesel superhero franchise that sony is trying to start this is bloodshot Uh, sorry excuse me did you say franchise you know they want a franchise tj when's the last superhero movie that they were like ah one's enough uh, yeah, I guess that's true, but it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I just, I didn't think they were going to try and milk a franchise out of this, but. Before we destroy Bloodshot, I will say, in its favor, they did not give us a post credit scene teasing a sequel. Oh, well, that is something to be commended. And I will say, I was, if times were different, I think I would have gladly have gone to see this in theaters because it would have been releasing, like, Beginning to mid-March, or there wouldn't have been a lot of, you know, competition. I've been like, you know, it's a comic book movie. It's probably going to be dumb. But now that we're all at home and, like, I have all the movies in the world at my disposal, it felt wrong to pick this one to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's almost not good enough for home streaming. I know, which is weird. It's like, yeah, I would go to the theater to see this, but now that it's easier to see, it's like, eh, maybe not. But I did, and I mean, it's fine. Yeah, I... There were parts of this movie where it was like almost like a good movie. It it had some, like, pieces, but... I don't know. There was hardly anything original here. I came out of this movie thinking, can we just like be done with Vin Diesel as an action star? 
Uh, I'm in the same boat, man. I just, watching Vin Diesel try and process what's happening to him for an hour and 50 minutes was not enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, watching him have romances with like 20-somethings, and he's like a 50-year-old man. And we know he's a 50-year-old man. I don't. I know the movie is trying to make us think that he's not, but he, that's Does, just the reality we're in. Do you think he knows he's a 50-year-old man? I don't know, man. I just, I don't know Vin Diesel's deal, but I... Uh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Do you wanna do you wanna talk about anything in particular that happened in the movie Bloodshot? Uh, Lamorne Morris from uh, New Girl pops up with a British accent. I don't know why. I I think they just let him riff a little bit, like give him some like funny lines. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I like. I'm all for Lamorne Morris being like the funny man in movies. This didn't, same. I was sad for him. I was like, <laughs> this. Yeah, I was disappointed. I was disappointed he was in it. Honestly, uh, Toby Kebble, who plays one of the villains, sort of. Mm-hmm. He's in like several things that I've seen. I feel like he's like a good actor, and he has. Is has terrible choice in the movies that he's a part of yeah this and fan four stick are not doing him any favors (laughs) yes yes there is several of these that he's been i mean he does great motion capture work in the planet of the apes series Mm -hmm. um and he's in one of my more favorite uh black mirror episodes yeah yeah that's where he can like rewind time but he's also in like wrath of the titans and warcraft and Kong Skull Island. He seems to do these like really big budget, like destined to fail studio movies. So maybe that's just like his zone is like making money off of the big budget garbage kind of that gets thrown out there. Maybe, but he is a good actor, so it was strange seeing him dance here. Yeah, and that scene is honestly the one that has stuck with me is there's a scene towards the beginning of the movie where we're kind of setting up the whole premise, and Vin Diesel's character gets captured uh, and is being interrogated in a meat locker, and Toby Kebble shows up and puts on a beanie and a large white coat while wearing flip-flops and dances down the aisle of large meats to, uh, I think it's Psycho Killer. Yeah. It's a very interesting scene, and I'm like, okay, at least he's really going for it here. Um, but then we see that scene about five more times through the movie, and it gets kind of old. That is when I knew we were in some serious trouble with this. I think my issue, and I don't want to hate on Vin Diesel, but I am going to hate on him a little bit. I think my issue with him being like an action star is he is too stoic for me. Whereas opposed to The Rock, I feel like The Rock is always having fun, even when he's being serious. And I feel it's... like a persona like his would have really bounced off of um, Lamorne Morris's character. Like, they would have had some, like, quippy dialogue. I think that would have just worked more. But Vin Diesel just being like, who am I? Where's my wife? And I just I just didn't have fun. <sighs> it's, it's hard not to compare Vin Diesel to The Rock. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate because I feel like Vin Diesel kind of came first and paved he the did. way for like just super buff guy to be the lead man. Mm-hmm. Like not I just, much I think The Rock does acting. it better though. I'm sorry. I, I agree. I think The Rock has taken it and gone to a new place with it because The Rock is actually charismatic. I don't know if I would say that Vin Diesel is charismatic. I wouldn't. And he just, I, I think he, 
everything is just so serious. Even like the the Fast and the Furious movie that was going to come out this summer. Like the I don't know if you saw the trailers for it, did you? I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um hmm. No. Okay. I, don't think I won't I spoil anything for you. But at, at, he's just doing things and I like he's just he's got this this one look on his face like he's concentrating real hard instead of just being like you know, having fun with it. And I don't know. I just, I, I can't have fun with someone who is not having fun in a movie that you got to have fun with, because if you're taking bloodshot seriously, I just don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe that's our ultimate analysis is Vin Diesel takes himself too seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Also, do you, do you know anything about this comic book? No, I've never heard of this. And I was kind of going to go there next. I was going to ask, did this make sense to you at all? Because I had no like basis to set this up on, which like Marvel and DC comics I can usually pull from something. Um, I feel like there have been a few like more original things, and it kind of sets it up and tries to go with it. I don't, I don't know. I didn't feel like I fully understood what we were doing here. I don't understand what his actual origin story was even after all this yeah um i don't understand what his powers are certainly oh you won't (laughs) um as soon as they use the word nanites to describe what was going on in the movie if you had been sitting next to you i would have looked straight over at you (laughs) we would have made eye contact and we would have had a good chuckle because because nanites is not a valid explanation for anything in any movie ever. The thing that bothered me was just like, yeah, these nanites can like stitch up like your skin or whatever. I was like, but he's getting shot. Like bone is being shattered. I don't yeah. think nanites can fix that, but maybe well, they can. I don't know. And there's several like scenes where he gets like his face blasted off and his face kind of like disintegrates into like this like nanite powder and then like reattaches to his face back as i don't i don't know it didn't make sense to me but i i feel bad because i know someone in vfx was just like man i nailed it and that's what like (laughs) i completely agree with you i think this movie was completely like focused on getting some cool sony visual effects out there which i think it did and in some cases it did well I will say, like, as ridiculous as it was, the elevator fight at the end was kind of cool at times. They had, like... See, I, I, don't, I don't know if I agree. I think I liked, like, the red and blue, like, light tunnel fight, like, when he's first testing his powers. Okay, yeah, yeah. That no, I thought cool was cool too. use of visuals and stuff, but it looked too, like... You, it, Video gamey? Yeah, yeah, at the end where people are flinging and flying through elevators and... It was something because during that first like shootout in the dark with the red and blues, I was like, wow, they spent all their budget here, didn't they? And then they got to like the bendy people in the elevator shaft. And I was like, yeah, they did spend all their money earlier. Yeah, I just know that there was like one like slowdown, like panoramic, like where they move the camera around. And it's like he's like punching the guy with the spider arms. There was one instant where I was instantly reminded of Venom. In that mm-hmm. one scene where Venom is fighting uh, Rampage or whoever it is. Yeah. And it like slows down for a minute. And I was like, oh, this is a Sony thing. Like for sure someone oh. that did the visual effects on that 
also did the visual effects in this movie. Wow. I hadn't really thought about that. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Um, hmm. What else to say about this movie? I don't know. I don't know if there's anything just like outright egregious that's like really standing out to me. There were like it didn't go so far to be like Alita Battle Angel. No. Where it's just like absurdist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just kind of was nothing. Like it some of it felt much too derivative. I know at one point when we get the big reveal that they've kind of been building his memories as a simulation. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you just pulled every like story out of the comic playbook or something like that. Yeah. Where they like directly referenced that everything that had happened till that point was very much like borrowed from other stories. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, you still didn't really do anything original yeah. with it. Yeah, I was like, that acknowledgement, I don't know if that helps, but yeah, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. What else is there to say about Bloodshot? Uh, what is, did they, they never called him Bloodshot, did they? I don't think so, and I still don't completely understand what that means. Same. He kind of like, went like Super Saiyan at the end. Yeah. Where I th- I think Bloodshot kind of refers to, like, his eyes go red. Yeah, but that happened at the end, but I couldn't really tell if he was like, yeah, I don't know. And this is all probably stuff that could be answered if we cared about the comics, which we do not. But, yeah, I just don't know. Like, are these comics that there's, like, a significant following of? I feel like the internet is so large nowadays that someone somewhere has to be a big Bloodshot fan of this. Um, Looking in the IMDb trivia, it says Bloodshot is one of the most popular characters in the 80 million comic selling Valiant universe. Um, hmm. and some other positive things about it. So apparently someone somewhere likes Bloodshot, and that's not me being dismissive. I just don't know anything uh, about this character. So Yeah, and I just don't know, even for the people that are really into that, whether this is what gave them what they wanted. Uh, I'm going to say probably did not. Probably not. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I don't recommend seeing Bloodshot, DJ. <laughs> nor do i um yeah let's move on we got more important movies to talk about cool um the next movie we're going to talk about i'm a bit surprised that you actually saw and because you saw it i had to see it we saw um, in we saw invisible man uh mm-hmm. which is a scary movie and it is a very scary movie dj and that is why i have no idea how you survived this I'm not sure either, but I mean, honestly, the way things are right now, The Invisible Man might be the best movie I've seen in theaters in 2020. That's very possible. I mean, there's still a couple I want to get to. Doolittle could still... No, oh, just kidding. No, just kidding. Yes. Um, yeah, Invisible... It's a very well-made movie. I mm-hmm. I don't know. It's still... There's still something about the horror genre where it's like... I can see a movie and acknowledge that it's a very good movie and still be like, this still isn't really my thing. Yeah, I get that. Um, this and is I'm probably... usually like that, which is why I'm surprised I feel so positive about The Invisible Man. And uh, honestly, part of that might have to do with like, this is like one of the last movies I saw in theaters and uh, 
I don't see those reopening anytime in the near future. So, uh, yeah, I, I it was extremely terrifying, but I thought it was really well made. This is directed by Lee Winnell, which directed Upgrade, which came out uh, two or three years ago. And DJ, which... you know I love Upgrade. Upgrade's great. It's it's fantastic. I think that was uh, one of our earlier episodes, I believe. Um, it was a smaller movie, a small budget, and similarly, this is also a pretty small budget, and it's just interesting to see what this director can make with uh, kind of the limited opportunities that uh, the budget gives him. Yeah, and I was listening to an interview with him, and he acted as though this was like a very large budget, so I think he's used to working with really? almost almost nothing, and he was kind of excited that they could do some like new creative things with the budget he had in this movie. Huh. Um, I guess that tracks though because he's directed only a couple movies. One of those, I think, the largest budget he's had to work with is Insidious Chapter Three, uh, which was at ten million. And scary movies traditionally have pretty small budgets, um, so yeah, that's interesting. Okay, hmm. yeah, but I, I'm with you, DJ. I thought this was a very good movie, and I think anyone like looking for a good scare movie, this is for them. Um. Yeah, I, I might be a little biased because I knew it was this director and I'm kind of already rooting for this director to like make more things like Upgrade. Yeah. Um. So I want him to do well. But yeah, Invisible Man has kind of come out as the like jewel of the first quarter where there's usually like one or two. Maybe Bad Boys for Life might be the other one. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, but I, I think you can tell some similarities to Upgrade with like how the camera moves in this mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I think I noticed a couple of shots, especially like there's some shots where you're in the house and the camera just pans very slowly. Like it kind of just glides and then yes. it'll it'll stop on like an empty hallway. And this is before we have any evidence of like there being an invisible man or something. I mean, you know, that's the name of the movie. So it plays off of like, you know, that something may or may not be there. But it'll just like pause on an empty hallway for a few seconds. And it's so scary. Like it builds the suspense so well. And then it slowly pans back to like whatever uh, Elizabeth Moss's character is doing. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of Paranormal Activity. I remember back when those movies first came out, they were somewhat revolutionary for horror movies just because they were working with a limited budget. And it was by spacing the camera in certain ways your mind just kind of filled in the scare of what was going to be there and that was so effective here because one we haven't seen that kind of camera movement in a while because you know paranormal activity movies aren't coming out anymore and two this was like a real person that we were like envisioning in that space it made it so much more tangible than some like ghost or whatever you know what i mean like i Mm -hmm. so i i feel like he did a great job of capturing the space here and it just made it so much scarier, but I, I was in awe of like how they were able to frame all of it. It's almost as if they had like someone in like a green screen suit, like stand in the place that you would like imagine someone to be because it felt like the shot was like framed perfectly for a person to be there. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, I can't imagine that they did that just because like it would no, take no, so no, much. I don't think so. So much budget to like erase the guy in the scenes where they don't need him to be erased. No, I don't think they really did that. It just seems like it was done a little too well that like yeah it seems like they could have yeah you do feel like someone is there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah i very well made um 
I think there's kind of like three acts to this movie. There's kind of the first where, well, there's kind of like the prologue where Elizabeth Moss's character, I forget what her name is in the movie. Cecilia. Cecilia. Oh, can I, quick tangent on character names back to Bloodshot. Okay. Can we talk about the character named KT? And how Katie? her name. Jesus. Right. It's, <laughs> it's Katie, but then they're like, no, it's the initials KT. <sighs> yeah. And they all pronounce it that way, and it's terrible. Don't see Bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elizabeth Moss's character is named Cecilia. Cecilia, like, escapes from her rich, abusive boyfriend at the beginning of the movie. And a and terrifying he- scene on its own. Yes. Then you kind of have, like, the first act where she's, like, paranoid, but nothing's really happening. Um, And then, like, small things kind of start to happen where you're like, oh, she actually, like, this guy is around. And then there's kind of the second act. I'd say after um, Aldous Hodge's character leaves the house Mm -hmm. where she's kind of alone, Mm -hmm. where it's, like, her directly against uh, Adrian. Um, and that's terrifying. Yes, yes it is. That is the scariest <laughs> part of the movie. And then there's kind of this third act where she's like, breaks out of this insane asylum and kind of gets her revenge. Yeah, um, I, I'll go ahead and say, I think I really love the pacing of this because I think when you have a movie like this and you've got trailers, the audience knows that there is an invisible man. Like, we we go in knowing this. And I think that the first act was constructed and... A way that I thought was really believable because I love seeing like the small details of like um, Elizabeth Moss like uh, blotting out like the camera on her laptop and just doing some things that I feel like a person who was in like an abusive relationship really would like, you know, just be paranoid. But I think that it gets to the point where she believes that this guy is invisible in enough time that it didn't feel like we were just as audience waiting for her to finally get it because I feel like that always makes a movie drag on a little long when the audience knows something and it takes forever for the characters to figure it out i was glad that it felt like she figured it out in a somewhat uh streamlined timeline it seemed like it made sense uh given her character and what she knew he was capable of Mm-hmm. yeah there weren't too many huge logical jumps or like unbelievable for i mean for a movie where the premise is a guy is actually invisible yeah, I think they do a pretty good job of making it feel like, okay, maybe like he is this like tech crazy man that mm-hmm. like developed the suit. And like it also makes it very believable that if he had done this, this is what he would be doing is planning this huge revenge scheme against Cecilia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess like the story is actually pretty good behind it which which i don't know if that's always the case for for horror movies oh it's definitely not (laughs) sometimes they're a bit of a stretch yeah Yeah. um yeah i'm trying to think of some of like the cool like effects type scenes i mean the the terrifying part and the part that i had to pause it maybe three times on uh, is when she's like kind of paranoid in her room She's got coffee grounds everywhere. She calls the phone, like his phone, mm-hmm. and hears it buzzing upstairs. Oh, yes. And decides to climb this ladder up into the attic and is like crawling around up there. And I kept pausing it because I knew like this is where something's going to go down. 
and then she like crawls over to the hole and dumps that bucket of paint down there. Mm-hmm. And just like the shock of that. I mean, you know it's coming the whole way, but uh, that like that's why I don't like scary movies, but also why like this is a genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it it was actually terrifying because that was the first time we had like seen the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, another scene that really just—I don't know why it freaked me out so much, but it, it was when uh, she was uh, Cecilia was in the bedroom with uh, Storm Reed's character, and oh, she's man. like moving like the sheet to put on top of her and then she just sees like these indentions in it and that's such like a paranormal activity thing but it's so much scarier when it's a real person (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely yeah no that's yeah yeah Uh, that uh i think my best scene in or my favorite scene in the movie is the restaurant scene I just I think it's framed amazingly. You you see oh, wow. Cecilia yeah. starts to like dump all this information to her sister, and then you see her sister's eyes dart to her left just a little bit, and then you see this floating knife. It's just all so quick, but ah, uh, it's done beautifully. It's great. It really is, and I think one of the things this movie benefits from a lot, and I guess just the premise of this movie. I feel like in a lot of these scary movies where you like don't see the monster for most of the movie and that's kind of part of the suspense ultimately you end up like seeing the monster at the end and it's mm-hmm. some like weird CGI creation or there's some weird twist where it makes it like oh it wasn't really what you thought it was or something yeah. like that and it's always kind of a bit of a letdown where it's like oh I don't know. Maybe it's that we're both like techie people and we like the techiness side of it, but this like felt like it was somewhat believable to me. Like even yeah. though it's completely impossible. But at the but, same time, I think this director has an appreciation for technology and I think I think they were able to toe the line of giving us just enough information without it while allowing us to still like suspend a bit of disbelief. Um, yeah because they were just like yeah a bunch of cameras and stuff but they didn't they didn't make up anything about like how he's found some special particle that makes everything invisible they were just like no no, it's a suit and i was like okay that's fine (laughs) yes no nanites (laughs) no mention of nanites in this movie um yeah yeah so i think i feel like the reveal wasn't a letdown to me in this movie which i yeah i think i think it held pretty solid all the way through Mm -hmm. um Let's see. We could talk about, I mean, I thought Aldous Hodge's performance and Storm Reed, I thought they were really great characters and played their parts really well. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Especially that uh, scene where the Invisible Man just decks Storm Reed. Oh, that I, was so, uh, that was hard uh, to watch. It was hard to watch, but I, man, I think it was acted beautifully because I loved how Aldous Hodge, like he was like protecting his daughter but also not immediately blowing up because he you could see he was confused i feel like a lesser movie would have been like he would have like severed all ties or something right there yeah which i feel like would have been his right because you know his daughter was screaming like something bad happened but i'm glad that he maintained at least some composure it's just like my priority right now is my daughter i i just i love that that's how that kind of went yeah Um, and even the uh the brother character uh i forget his the actor's name um michael dorman it looks like i thought he played a really good part too where he was just kind of this like downtrodden like defeated 
I don't know, you kind of sympathize with him a little bit because he's yeah. also been connected to this like abusive brother. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of the twist. To, I don't know if I want to get into the twist at the end, just in case yeah. someone does want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just, I just I liked all the the pieces in this movie. It felt like everything in this movie was necessary. Uh, yeah, and it didn't go like too hard. It wasn't like too much. It just like rode the line of right where it needed to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I also think this movie really benefited from its release date where it came <laughs> late February and kind of got the like meat of a good release where a lot of people did go see it. It yeah. made a lot of money and then it hit video on demand pretty much immediately. Like props to Universal for turning their movies around so fast. I didn't know that was possible. I didn't either, which I was also like, well, hold on now. <laughs> so yeah, this but, is possible. Because <laughs> it's, it's always been like, there's a movie in theaters for like three months, and then mm. it's out of theaters, and then you have probably another three months of just like, they're like getting it ready for release or whatever. Yeah, but apparently it's not all that difficult. Apparently it takes a week. So, <laughs> I don't know. Um... What was I trying to say with this, though? But, yeah, the movie made the meat of its money there and then hit streaming, and I feel like it's kind of still got a lot of momentum of people being like, this is a good movie and you should watch it. Yeah, and I'm one of those voices. Yeah, if there had to be one, like, I guess, movie that seemed to have weathered the storm pretty well, I would say it was The Invisible Man coming off a budget of $7 Yeah, it more than made that back uh, by the time uh, it was pulled from theaters. But it's crazy because, like, a week later... Like Onward came out, and I don't think that it had so much success. <laughs> no, no, it didn't. I still haven't seen Onward, DJ. We might have to bring that one back around when uh, it hits Disney Plus. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be fine to wait until it comes back on Disney Plus. Um, cool. Yeah, I don't think you'd need to go like pay extra to see it if it's no. going to end up on the streaming service you already paid for. I yeah, I already pay for Disney Plus, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make the most of that. Yeah. Cool. Okay, uh, those are the movies we've both seen. I might touch on a couple that I I saw that you did not see real quick. Yeah. Um, so before all the theaters closed, I did go see Emma, uh, mm-hmm. which is a new adaptation of Emma, and which is a Jane Austen book, uh, pretty popular. It's been adapted several times. There was a version with... Um, Oh, what's her name? Is it Kirsten Dunst? I have Uh, no idea. Several years ago. uh, I feel like... No, it's Gwyneth Paltrow, I think. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm losing my mind. Uh, But this one does not have those people. This one has Anya Taylor-Joy, who's been in things you may have seen, such as Split. Uh, She was in The Witch... She was in uh, Thoroughbreds that came out a couple years ago. I don't know. Anya Taylor-Joy kind of seems like an up-and-coming actress. Yeah, she's going to be in Edgar Wright's new movie. Uh, Who Mm -hmm. knows if that's still happening this year, but I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure she's supposed to be the main character. Yeah, it it is Gwyneth Paltrow, for the record. Okay. In the the older version. Um, this was fine. Uh, I went and saw it with my fiance and her sister and her sister's husband, Nick. And we all kind of got out and we were like, yeah, it was good. And 
there wasn't a whole lot to say about it. It's very, like, stylized and, like, bright and colorful. So it's, it's like, nice to look at, I guess. Um, and it has some, like, fun performances, but it really hasn't stuck with me a whole lot. Mm. Uh, even in this genre, like, I don't know, I'll watch, like, period piece type movies um and there's some that i really like i don't i don't know if this one's gonna like stick with me quite as much um yeah but if you're if you're looking for a movie kind of in that genre it's definitely not bad and definitely not something i would steer you away from just not steering me towards it really (laughs) Yeah, yeah i don't know i'm i'm really middle of the road on it i guess okay yeah that's i think that's fine i don't think every movie has to be like life-changing yeah um okay the other movie i saw is the way back which is ben affleck's new movie uh where he is a like a recovering i don't i don't know whether to call him an ad he's kind of an alcoholic um he's kind of just a sad person like (laughs) Like You're talking you about could... Ben Affleck or his character? <laughs> well, that's the fun of the movie. Is it's kind of this like downtrodden character that you're kind of like, is this just Ben Affleck? <laughs> and he gets really drunk one night and decides to accept this offer to be a high school basketball coach. Um, and he kind of sucks at it at the beginning, and then he gets better, and his team's winning games, but he's still kind of like not a great guy so you're like i don't know how this is gonna turn out um yeah and it's it i don't know it was it was a good movie like i i haven't seen a a sports movie quite like this i don't think where it's a little more like real and sad focus on like the coach and the lives of people instead of like this whole big coming together like we are the champions like, it's less about the sport and the achievement of the team, because it's not based on, like, oh, this is the championship winning team of this year or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just this character-driven uh, drama focused okay. on sad Ben Affleck. So, hmm. yeah, I and honestly, he's really good in it. Like, this okay. is a really well, good, good Ben Affleck performance, and... Yeah, it's it's kind of like promising and hopeful because it's like he's still got something left in the tank. I think uh, what was it? Triple Frontier last year. It was like he kind of tried to go back to the whole like buff like Batman Ben Affleck that's gonna like beat up some dudes. <laughs> yeah, and he's still like a very physical presence in this movie, but I don't know. It's more focused on his acting, and I think I think it actually serves him pretty well. Um, and I think another thing to pair with this movie is, I don't know if you've seen this news, but Ben Affleck is now dating, uh, Anna de Armas. I have seen that news and I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't really want to talk about celebrity relationships too much on this podcast, but. That's fine. (laughs) But it just seems like a very interesting thing that Ben Affleck is doing. So. So those are those are movies that are happening now. I'm honestly probably going to keep watching the like terrible movies that have come out in the first quarter. I wouldn't be surprised if I have a top 10 of Q1 when it's all said and done, DJ. Wow. I didn't think I would get there by any means. <laughs> all it took but was a pandemic. But now it's like, what else am I going to do? 
Yeah, fair enough. I don't, I don't know if we're going to have much of a Q2 to speak of, honestly. I don't know either. We might just have to defer to like streaming stuff. Like I know everyone's talking about Tiger King, whatever that is on Netflix. Right I, now. I have no interest. I don't either, but it's one of those things it's like everyone's talking about. It's like, I want to be a part of the conversation. I just don't want to take enough time to watch this. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of FOMO, but also, I don't know. I feel like the moment's already come and gone. Yeah, that's true. But, like, unless they're coming out with more stuff, which they might. I, I don't know how much stuff Netflix has backlogged, because I think production on everything has stopped. But Yeah. Knows. Well, that's all the things that we've seen that has been released recently. This episode is kind of special because uh, if you've been following us from the beginning and if you've been counting, which I don't know who has because I don't really number the episodes because it's not really a serialized thing, but this is our 100th episode. Ooh. Um, yeah, I mean, we've got a lot of just regular episodes. We did our 23 mainly Marvel episodes. We've got our two like rough cut episodes, but... We've been doing this since, I guess, like the very end of 2017. I think our first upload is technically uh, January 2018. But yeah, uh, we've made it to 100 episodes. And uh, I think we're pretty excited about that because I don't think we had any goals or anything in mind. We kind of just wanted to talk movies. So this is uh, somewhat of an accomplishment for us, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been fun. I feel like we've... We've kind of slowed down right as we approached 100 here. <laughs> right. We kind of Crawling across, across the finish, the finish line. <laughs> yeah, life has just been crazy recently, but uh, I do still, like, I don't know. I feel like I love movies more than I did when we started, so mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's it's fun. I feel like we've, we've put out some episodes that I'm really happy about, and I like it when people come up to me and want to talk to me about something I said in some episode, and I'm like, did I say that? <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah kind of have to defend your <laughs> defend your stance sometimes yeah yeah uh but it has been fun and we have gone and seen a lot of movies uh we've talked about all those marvel movies that came out so i don't know i'm i'm like happy and proud of what we've covered with 100 episodes yeah me too it's been a fun time and like you said i still just love watching and talking movies uh even if some of those happen to be like bloodshot but uh, one of the things we're going to do to just kind of commemorate this 100th episode is just talk about some movies that are near and dear to our hearts. Because the past like two years or whatever we've been doing this, we've pretty much exclusively stuck to things that have been coming out, uh, you know, barring the mainly Marvel stuff. But we're going to dip back into some movies that we would call like essential viewing for Aaron and for myself. Just movies that are special to us for various reasons. Um, we've picked a couple just to go over. Uh, Aaron, what do you want to start with? Uh, I'll start with one, and I don't, these aren't in any, like, ranking order, and really I don't know even if there's a theme to them. I kind of just tried to find movies before, like, 2017 or whenever that we've been talking about movies. Right, right. And movies that are not part of the MCU, because all of those have also been covered. Um, (laughs) yeah. So I don't know if you have any MCU ones in your list, but I could, we could have a separate five movies that are near and dear to our hearts that are superhero movies, but that would be silly. Um, I'll do one. Let's see. Okay, I'll do this one. One of my favorite comedies, and I feel like we haven't covered a lot of pure comedies, is Hot Rod. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of just like thinking through things that I feel like I'll just like turn on if I want just like a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, And I love Hot Rod. And I feel like I feel like that's a movie that I've watched like once a year, if not once every other year. Like it just happens to always find a way where there's a group of people and it's like, what should we watch? And it's like, well, we could watch Hot Rod. And I don't know, it's kind of like a classic comedy of our generation, I feel like. I feel um, like not enough people recognize how funny Hot Rod is. <laughs> it's hilarious. And I feel like I know a lot about a person if they're like, oh, yeah, I love Hot Rod. I'm like, good. We're yes. like on the yeah. same page. Yeah, we could get um, along. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's so many jokes from that that are just, I don't know, so hilarious to me. Um, I could send the like gif of Will Arnett doing the babe, no, babe, babe, wait. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's it's great. It's a classic movie, and I love it. And yeah, I don't I don't know when else we would talk about that movie. I think Andy Samberg is great and uh, doesn't get enough credit, probably because he doesn't come out with that many like movies. He's mostly doing Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I'm currently binging. Um. Oh, good show. Yeah, but Andy Samberg always makes me laugh, and I think that's, like, his greatest creation so far. Oh, well, that that's a great pick. That's a great pick, man. I Yeah, I was just thinking the other day. I was like, man, I don't feel like enough people recognize that Hot Rod is legitimately hilarious. <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah, it really is. Oh, man. Okay, so kind of going in that same vein, this is a movie that we have talked about before because it was the movie that I elected for everyone to watch when I won the summer movie wager back in, I guess, 2018. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Donald Glover's mystery team back in 2009. Now, this is not what I would call a classic because (laughs) (laughs) I don't think a ton of people have seen this movie. DJ, but, you can call it a classic. I will not. I will not agree with you. <laughs> I, no, I, 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 I wouldn't call it a classic. Uh, but I, I love this movie because one, I'm a huge Donald Glover fan, and everything about this movie just reminds me of like a different time. Because uh, this mystery team, this is part of like his Derek comedy troupe, and I just it brings me back to being in like middle school and high school, being with friends and because we were pretty small town kids like our thing of entertainment was coming up with like fun videos for ourselves and this was years before vine and tiktok were things where we could be like internet famous this was just like making silly sketches for ourselves and this movie just like personifies all that silliness so perfectly i just mystery team just makes me happy i feel like it brings me back to a different stage in my life and i i mystery team it's it's great. I love it. Uh, I think some of the writing is extremely witty. I think it's funny seeing uh, characters like Aubrey Plaza and Ellie Kemper here in very small roles and who are now, you know, somewhat notable. Um, yeah, Mystery Team just makes me happy. Yeah, I think it's a completely different era of Donald Glover, but I still appreciate, you know, the classics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I watched it. I don't... Yeah, I don't... <laughs> um it's fine man i don't i don't don't have the memories associated with the movie like you do i'll say that much yeah i get that but i think part of it is that i so when we first started doing this uh, podcast i think one of our or two of our um big uh podcasts that we were listening to at the time 
one was Hello Internet, CGP Grey and uh, Brady Heron. But the other was How Did This Get Made, which is a movie podcast where they pretty much just eviscerate very bad movies and talk about kind of the history of how they were made and stuff. I have always had an appreciation for movies that are so bad it's good. So that podcast kind of being like uh, somewhat of a Kickstarter for us starting this and then just remembering all those times, like one of our favorite pastimes in high school was just to get a red box of a terrible movie and go and watch it and talk during it the entire time. So this kind of reminds me of that sort of age in a similar sense, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, yeah, I think there is something really fun about just like having a movie that you know is garbage and just like watching it. And not even like terrible, terrible, just like it's so like... You all acknowledge it's stupid and you just revel in its stupidity. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's that's fun. Um, yeah. And I also know how big of a Donald Glover fan you are. And so I know that anything he touches, you consider gold. So That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, okay. I mean, my, my next one's pretty... pretty. Well, my next few are pretty stupid. Um... But they're movies that I like. Uh, I'll go next with Amazing Spider-Man, which, for those of you that don't have a complete distinction of which Spider-Man is which, these are the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies, and if you have heard me mention Spider-Man on any episode of Mainly Movies, you know that I am a strong supporter of the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I don't completely know why. (laughs) even thinking through this i was like what am i going to say to defend my position here and i don't really think i have to i think like the amazing spider-man came out i think my senior year of high school and i remember just like watching it and just like really being like man superhero like i think avengers came out that summer too Mm -hmm. and i was just so excited for like superhero movies being a big thing and feeling like nerd culture was finally like on the come up like it's just a big deal now and it's making lots of money and people are super into it uh and i just love like the spider-man movie was so much fun i liked andrew garfield's character spider-man that's a whole nother topic um yeah but i really liked that one and i liked amazing spider-man 2 with all its like silliness with electro played by jamie fox and like this crazy soundtrack that hans zimmer did on top of the movie um yeah, I, I really like those movies, and I think it's kind of emblematic of my, like, childlike love of superheroes and just all of those movies and what those mean to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, that's a good one, man. Uh, and I wasn't going to say, let it be clear, I'm not coming at you for liking The Amazing Spider-Man. I think that's <laughs> perfectly fine. Yeah. Some people might disagree. I That's fine. I don't want to get into a whole anti-mcu spider-man thing because i'm not anti-mcu spider-man i just i think i think people were drinking the kool-aid a little too hard when uh tom holland made his first appearance and he he's good but i mean we've had other spider-man it's not like it's unprecedented yeah and i won't pretend that a little bit of it is just for the bit of being like andrew garfield is the greatest spider-man bring back (laughs) andrew garfield he was robbed amazing spider-man 3 would have been fantastic Oh man, what would have been? What would have been? Okay, so yeah, I guess kind of springboarding off of what you were kind of just saying about like nerd culture coming on the up and up. A movie that is still near and dear to my heart is Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Oh, okay, 
Yeah, so this is probably, yeah, this is definitely my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Uh, it's got Michael Sarah. It's got a lot of big names in it in very small roles. It's got like Chris Evans and Brie Larson in it, which is wild to say now. Like a movie with those two, like, you know, you only you get Endgame when you get a movie like that now. But mm-hmm. I love Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I think it's I think it's a perfect like amalgamation of like this nerdy video gamey comic culture just done in a really well made movie. Uh I think it's just so much fun. I think the editing style that um, Edgar Wright uses lends itself to this type of movie in particular. Um, gave me like a permanent crush on Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I I love Scott Pilgrim. I I I don't know if I've watched it uh, or if I've gone too far without watching it. I think uh, it was on Netflix last time I checked. Um, watched it a couple months ago. It just, it makes me happy. It came out in 2010, which is wild to think that it's already 10 years old now. Um, but yeah, I, I love Scott Pilgrim. I think it's great. I tried to get into the comic book, like the graphic novel thing. Couldn't do it. It was too different. Um, <laughs> so I'm a movie apologist. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember this movie is coming out like kind of in like the golden era of Michael Sarah. Mm-hmm. where i don't know i guess he was just the right age to play like a boy and now he's like <laughs> yeah. he's like too old to do that and for a while it was kind of a joke and now i don't remember the last thing i saw michael Sarah in, but he was like right in his peak and then this is like a very stylized movie which i think makes it feel very like personal and like it has like maybe a smaller following but everyone that like loves scott pilgrim really loves scott pilgrim um Ah, yeah, and I I think going back now and like knowing more about like Edgar Wright and like his like I don't know unique approach to making movies, I think it's really cool to see like what he created. I don't know if I like remember seeing this in the time and latching onto it as much, but like seeing it now, I'm like, wow, that really is a really good movie, uh, and I'm surprised it doesn't have more attention. Yeah, I think it. I think it stood out to me in the sense that like I felt like while watching, I was like, I feel like something like i i don't know i could feel myself latching onto it while i was watching it which i think is something considering i was like 16 at the time considering <laughs> it came out 10 years ago but i think it was like one of the first times i can remember watching a movie and like appreciating not just the story but like being like there's so much stuff going on the backgrounds like the cuts are all so deliberate i i could feel myself like trying to analyze it some more but at the end of the day i was just like this movie is hilarious and i'm a fan <laughs> mm-hmm. um and yeah, that's still how I feel today. I think it's like a, I I feel like it's a very DJ movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, my next one on the brain on the uh, the trend of nerdy movies from our teenage years that call back to our childhood. I guess. Um, I've got Pacific Rim. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> And you know I love Pacific Rim, DJ. Yeah, it's pretty great. This is, I mean, it's not, it's not a great movie by any means. It's not supposed to be. Uh, it's just a good time. It's just robots fighting monsters, and I don't know. I just, I just feel like I don't need to say any more than that. Uh, it's so over the top and ridiculous, and I don't know. Every time I pop it in and watch it, I'm just like you know what, I don't care how stupid this is, I have fun watching this. Um, I don't know, I don't know what else to say. I mean, 
Pacific Rim 2 was pretty disappointing. I think we we covered that in an entire episode. But Pacific Rim 1 I have in both DVD and 4K for some reason. And it's just glorious. Yeah, it, but I, I feel like you're not giving yourself enough credit, though. Because when you look at, like, a traditional, like, oh, I'm just gonna, like, throw some big things on screen and, like, see what happens. Like, you're gonna get stuff that isn't enjoyable to watch, like Pacific Room 2 or Godzilla King of the Monsters. I think that having someone competent at the realm, like Guillermo del Toro, like... I feel like he was able to make it so, like, those fights and stuff had weight behind them. Like, they felt like big fights. And it feels like... I feel like we don't get that same sense of scale when we're looking at some of the more modern things. So, I know it's just a dumb movie at the end of the day. But I, I think that it had enough of those little details that do make it a significant, like... Significantly different than, you know, run-of-the-mill big movies so That's i want to give and you I, some credit there man <laughs> thanks i appreciate that i feel like i'm a little i'm a little insecure about my love of pacific rim because i know it is just like childlike fascination of monsters fighting robots um but i do think there's just kind of a glut of these like monstrous cgi movies out there now and there's been so many terrible ones even since then uh yeah, that maybe 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 it is a little bit of a hidden gem of like someone actually did this like genre and did it somewhat competently. Yeah. And it's it's not Godzilla King of the Monsters, it's not like the Great Wall, it's not any of these awful, awful movies that continue to come out and will continue to come out. But this is the one that I found that I really like and I will defend it uh, as long as I have to. Okay, see, there we go. There, see, I, I feel like you weren't giving it enough of push for yourself. <laughs> I mean, the the question is, would I de- rather die defending one of those movies? Or would, would I rather die in a Jaeger? Or in a Jaeger! <laughs> there it is. Oh, man. Oh. Did, oh, oh, just the So when did Pacific Rim come out? When did it come out? I think it was 2012, 2011, maybe 2013, somewhere in there. I know that we watched it together and we didn't uh, start going to college together until 2012. I don't think we saw it in theaters together. Okay. Okay. Do you know the circumstances that we watched this under then? Uh, No, I don't. I I don't either, but I, I just... Yeah. Yeah, it came out in 2013. So are you sure we didn't see this in theaters? Honestly, I probably... Hmm, I don't know. Maybe maybe we did watch it together. I know for sure once it came out on DVD, I'm pretty sure we were living together at that point, and I probably ran to the store as soon as it was out, bought it, and brought it back, and we all watched it in our room together. Okay, that sounds right. That sounds right. <laughs> that for sure happened. Okay. Um, so that also plays into it, is just memories of watching it with people, and just like, I don't know. Any guy that was like a boy that was into this stuff... <laughs> I don't know. There's something in you that just clicks. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Um, well, I, I guess switching gears somewhat. This is a movie I've talked on and off uh, quite a bit, and I, I felt like somewhat necessary to put here, but another movie for me is the original Lion King that came out in 1994. Um, 
as I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast, Lion King is always going to have a special place in my heart, despite the fact that there's a new one out there. Um, and that's okay. I've watched the original since, and I don't think that I it has felt any different. This is just a movie that my family has watched since I was a kid, and I can... It's one of those movies that, you know, you know every single line forward and backwards. You uh, could probably trace the animation scene by scene if you had to. And it's just like permanently seared in my head. So I had to put it up here. It's like a childhood movie for me. Um, yeah, it's it's always going to have that special place for me. Um, and I, I, it is somewhat cool that, you know, I had this sort of connection to this movie and in the remake Donald Glover who I've been following for quite a while ended up being the voice of Newsom but like that's that's not anything that could have been planned or anything like that so it's just kind of funny how the stars kind of align sometimes yeah that is kind of crazy yeah I I mean I know like covering the Lion King movie last year was kind of a big deal for you because you had such a connection to the original and ultimately it was a bit of a disappointment but I think that's just because it could never live up to how high you regard the original one um yeah and that's okay yeah Yeah, and i know you said your family watches it and like you have just i don't know this like really deep connection to it like yeah so it was going to be hard for anything to match up against that but i don't i don't have any hard feelings against the 2019 lion king because i've seen a little bit too much of that being like how could they remake this and it's like nothing is sacred like so (laughs) i guess i've gotten over it from that perspective very true cool um i actually had a animated disney movie on my list so i'll 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 plug that one here since we're kind of following each other's themes um this one came up actually because uh so my fiance abby uh since march madness got canceled her co-workers were sending around this giant bracket of 64 disney and pixar movies oh that's Uh, amazing I think it was put out there by like whatever the Barstool movie podcast is. I don't listen to it, but they had some like Twitter poll to like fill out this bracket like years ah. ago. I might send it to you. Honestly, we could for sure do an episode like going through this bracket. Oh, and um, oh, you just said us now we know what we're going to do cuz I'm getting pretty excited you just mentioning it. <laughs> I will I will send it to you after this episode. Um but the thing so the thing Abby asked me about it uh was do you think treasured planet is a good movie and i was like abby let me tell you treasured planet is one of my favorite disney movies wow okay i love treasured planet in this bracket they have treasured planet as a 16 seed going up against lion king as a one seed in the first round oh that's cruel <laughs> and i was like i can't i ended up throwing out the bracket and moving <laughs> I moved Treasure Planet to, I switched it with Atlantis to make it a 15 seed. So after Abby asked me this question, we proceeded to sit down on the couch and watch all of Treasure Planet. I thought you were uh, going to say all of the movies. I was like, here, all, six, all 64 <laughs> Disney movies. Uh, <laughs> no, we watched Treasure Planet and I was like, man, I really like this movie. Like as a kid, like me and my brothers loved watching Treasure Planet. It's. I don't know, he goes around on this, like, wind surfboard space thing. It's pirates, it's space, two things that I love. Um, it's got this, like, super angsty, like, Goo Goo Dolls song in the middle of it, which is just so funny. This, like, teenager, like, playing with, like, Captain uh, John Sil- Long John Silver, like, 
and in, he's like developing this father-son relationship and there's this angsty song playing in the background that's so like early 2000s it really took me back and i really <laughs> like treasure planet so that that has a special place for me nice nice and it's underrated as a 16 seed in the bracket that is an egregious error see i feel like i've seen on the internet people like saying people need to remember like treasure planet and atlantis i just i don't have the like i know i've seen both of those movies i couldn't tell you anything about them i don't remember them at all so i I, it makes me very sad because you know i appreciate your opinions with these things so i I feel like i need to go back and give it another try but yeah i just those two movies are just big gaps for me for whatever reason i don't know why you should go back and watch them i think it's because like they don't quite follow into the like classic to that point, I feel like most Disney animation is based on either like a fairy tale, like princess story, or I don't know, some some like classic thing that you can base it like Aladdin and Tarzan, yeah. which shout out Tarzan, another one of my favorite Disney movies. Um, and they all have like musical, like, I don't know, it, it kind of broke the mold to where it was completely this like story driven thing. Um I don't know, and more geared towards boys, I guess, which is a little different than most of their content. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, yeah, but I, I, I do feel like that era of Disney is a little, little underappreciated, or maybe just not as many people like it. But I do, and I like Treasure Planet, so you should watch it. Okay, good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see this bracket. But if we need to like make some changes to, that's the only change I'll, the I, I will ask to be made. That's a good, you know, now that we're kind of just, you know, brainstorming like next things to do. Um, one thing I almost mentioned, there's another podcast I'm listening to. They are going through a bracket for uh, best movie of the decade right now. And it's mm. actually really interesting just them going back and like talking about all these movies that came out like 10 years ago. Like I think the last matchup they did was like Black Swan versus uh, like all three of the uh, new Planet of the Apes movies like they counted all those as one movie so I might send that your way as well because I, I think I think that could be an interesting one as well um, depending on if we've seen all those movies <laughs> um, that's yeah that could be the the problem I mean we could try to watch some of those but yeah I think I mean really our only option at this point is to go backwards uh, which is something we kind of haven't done because we've been so busy trying to keep up with everything coming out. Um, but I wouldn't be opposed to doing a best of the decade or even like picking a year and making a top 10 list out of that year. Ooh, that would um, be fun too. Man, we're yeah. just we're spitballing all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of started doing that on my own on my giant spreadsheet of movies, and it was pretty fun like going through different years and being like, wow, this movie and this movie and this movie. Um, yeah, so we could we could try to do something like that. Okay, um, okay. And listener, if you're hearing anything in particular that you think would be you know somewhat interesting to listen to, feel free to shoot us an email because you know we're we're lacking suggestions and the sort. But yeah, uh, yeah, we might do something like that. Kind of mix it up because <laughs> there's nothing else coming out right now. So what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, did you have a fifth one you wanted to talk about? Um, yeah, I do have, uh, so... Did you only do three? How many have you done? I think I've done four, maybe? Okay, okay. I don't know. I haven't been counting. I kind of just have, like, a backlist of, like, movies that I feel, uh, very DJ movies. And speaking of that, uh, this is probably my, mm, dang, I was gonna say it's my favorite horror movie, but I think, 
No, it's my second favorite horror movie. I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, my second favorite horror movie is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, this uh, is a good one. Yeah, it came out in 2010. This is my type of horror movie because it's more comedy than horror. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, uh, basic premises. Uh, these two slightly redneck guys are mistaken for being these like serial killers. And this group of college students tries to put a stop to them. And it's honestly hilarious. It's one of my favorites. I try and watch it like every Halloween because I think it's it has a perfect like setup and payoff and it's just a lot of fun. I, I love it a lot. I think it I, because I, I think a lot of people like to say that the line between like comedy and horror really isn't uh, that thick of a line that they kind of uh, bleed into one another uh, at various times. And I think this movie is a really good personification of that. Uh, and it's hilarious. It, I, I I love Tucker and Dale versus Evil. It's great. Nice. Okay. I think I was kind of struggling to find find a fifth one for me. Um, mm. And I kind of was thinking back to like movies we watched together in college because I I'm pretty sure you showed me Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, I don't. I may have. That sounds like I, me. <laughs> I think we ordered Papa John's one night and had a bunch of people in our room and watched that movie. I remember that pretty clearly, yeah, actually. Um, a movie, a movie I discovered, and this will be this will be my last one, probably the one I feel least strong about. Um, but a movie I feel like I kind of like discovered in college, and I, I don't know. This is kind of when I felt like I don't know. I was seeing movies that not everyone was seeing. And was able to start giving people recommendations or like tell people about movies. I don't know. I felt more like a movie guy, I guess. Uh, but there is this movie called The Double. And it is a very strange, quirky, uh, kind of British comedy, like dark comedy uh, with Jesse Eisenberg. And it's directed by uh, Richard... Is it Iowati uh, that he plays uh, Moss on the IT crowd? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He directs this movie, and it's very much like his humor throughout the movie, and it's just kind of a small, strange movie. Uh, and I feel like I showed it to a couple people, and they're kind of like, what? <laughs> and I was like, I really like this movie, so I'm going to stand by it. Um yeah, so I, I feel like that's all I'm going to say about it, because I actually do kind of want people to watch it. And I don't know if... Did we ever watch that movie, DJ? Did I ever show that one to you? I don't think so. It's not ringing okay. any bells. Okay, maybe you should watch that one, um, and we can talk about that at some point. But that's one that I uh, feel like not a lot of people have seen, and I enjoy quite a bit. Okay, yeah, you had me at Richard Ayuwaide, because I think he is uh, quite an interesting... Uh, persona and i thought he was great in the it crowd but i i don't believe um yeah I, i'd like to see what he can do behind the director seat i know he's done some tv stuff but i a full movie that's interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you should try it out okay okay we'll do okay uh did you have any more no those are those are all the ones i can come up. i mean i can just talk about more movies that i like for sure I think there's also like certain directors that I really like, but that's more of kind of in the now. Like, I really like anything that Denny Villeneuve does. Yeah. Um, uh, I also like everything that uh, I think his name is Taylor Sheridan, uh, and he writes a lot of movies and he's directed some. Uh, 
like Sicario and Hell or High Water and Wind River. He kind of has these like modern westerns uh, that are his style. Uh, and I really like basically all of those. He has a new movie coming out this year. Uh, I forget what the name of it is, but I'm very excited for that too. Without Remorse is the name of his new movie. And it stars Michael B. Jordan. And it is scheduled to release my birthday weekend. Oh, wow. So <laughs> works out nicely for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll see we'll see if that holds with everything getting pushed, but Yeah. Even things in like post production right now, I don't know if their schedules are gonna hold or anything. Yeah, it's a strange time. Okay, well, I think I think that kinda is a good stopping point for the movies that are special to us for whatever reason um like aaron said we've got some discussing it feels like to figure out what we're going to do next might do some top 10 lists of decade or different years to kind of uh get the scope a little a little easier uh for our watching but then again i think we've got more time (laughs) just because we're stuck at home we certainly do and if anyone out there is listening to this and is desperate for something anything to watch feel free to like email us and ask for suggestions too because i feel like we'd be more than happy to do that as well yeah i mean the bar right now is bloodshot so the bar's low (laughs) there are better things out there to watch than bloodshot let me tell you (laughs) yeah gotta believe that cool well this is fun we made it to 100 dj um very exciting and uh yeah i hope movies survive (laughs) yeah i do too um and we hope you do as well listener it's like a a scary time out there Mm -hmm. um but we hope you're all doing well we hope you're all safe and sound uh but yeah if you've got any uh movie suggestions for us or anything feel free to shoot us an email at mainlymoviespod at gmail.com or any TV shows or anything. We're kind of just consuming content right now because what else is there to do? <laughs> um, but yeah, let us know. Yeah, until uh, next time, we will be watching our screens and hopefully making some lists. 